Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff with Gyro Nation Metal. Where Chaos Thrives is the third full-length album by Denmark technical melodic death metal band Chronicle, which is to be released on May 19th, just three days after the release of this episode. Since 2012, Chronicle will have released three full-length albums and two EPs and are currently signed to Mighty Music. They've also shared the stage with bands such as Dark Funeral and Oceans, Blood Red Throne, Ill Disposed, Destruction, and Morbid Angel, among many more. Today, I get to visit with Lars, the group's vocalist and guitarist. Lars, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Since we're recording this a couple months out from the release of Where Chaos Thrives, how is everything going and where are you at the, in the process? Uh, so far, it's all like um, prep work, like uh, getting uh, all the uh, merch designs ready and uh, all the layout for the album and shit like that. We do all of that ourselves, so it uh, keeps you busy. Like uh, once in a while, you, you just wish you could find some time to like practice guitar in between all the all the paperwork. <laughs> and so what are some of the last minute things that you have to do before everything's said and done? Well, um, recently we just finished like the final uh, new t-shirt designs. Like, you know, we get like um, some artwork that we've commissioned from different artists and then, but we have mm -hmm. to do the layout and put the logos on all ourselves just because, uh, well, we, we're a small band and we're all like, um, you know, work in our jobs and stuff but uh, we, we have to like take care of most of it ourselves just because uh, we need to stay within budget of of everything here like so yeah you, you do as much of uh, the whole process as you can yourself just the t-shirts and uh, you're basically ready to go do you guys have any tours planned uh, well we uh, just signed with uh, our first uh, like what's it called a booking agency uh, believe you say in English yeah um, uh, so we have some shows lined up for next year uh, some of them have been announced we are uh, we're heading to Sweden for the first time we're gonna play in Stockholm in September so that's gonna be awesome and uh, we have have a couple more Swedish dates which have not been announced yet but will probably be so before the album comes out so I guess by the time this is airing and uh, then a couple shows around uh, Denmark and uh, still up in the air, but maybe one or two festival shows in Germany, hopefully. That's, uh, that's how things are looking so far. And then, uh, yeah, being on a booking agency now, it's uh, like, you know, when you, do, when you have to book all your own shows, it's like you send out uh, 60 emails and then uh, three places reply that, oh yeah, maybe we have a show for you. Uh, next year or something but uh now, now that uh work burden has been lifted and given to somebody else who will hopefully be able to get us uh, out and play a lot more shows than we have done so in the past and how long do you guys suspect you might be on the road for well it's um like of course there is like when you go to sweden that's like uh that's like a at least like four or five days you're going to be having to dedicate to that because having to get a uh, we have to rent a van go over there with a ferry and then drive from town to town sweden is fucking huge country compared to denmark so going anywhere up there takes a while but uh, other than that it's actually mostly going to be um weekend shows so like uh friday saturdays friday saturdays occasional thursday shows here and there so 
but we we're hopefully just gonna be uh, once the album comes out, we're hopefully just gonna be doing as many shows as we possibly can for the remainder of 2023 and perhaps a bit into 2024 before we start uh, figuring out okay, what's the next thing we're gonna be doing. Mm-hmm. I also want to thank you for sending me your EPK in advance. I love the artwork. I love the album. Uh, you mentioned earlier before the recording that you worked with Samuel Nelson. So what made you seek him out for the album cover and what was the process like? Well, it was, um, first of all, looking at, okay, so what are the themes that we decided uh, that are going to be like, what, what's it all going to be about? Uh, lyrics is mostly me, but uh, everybody has like, a democratic voice in the band, so to say. So uh, even though I write most of the stuff uh, that, you know, thematically sets what the album is about, it's still like everybody has a say in what they like. So once we had finalized all of that, it was about like, okay, everybody had ideas for, okay, we should maybe get this or get this or uh, because we've had, we have had like great art on our works before, but we also want to, we want to have it to look, different every time so we don't want to like do the same every time we want it to be different so we knew that and then it was just like going through the list okay see like what what uh like um what is in this guy's port- portfolio do we think it matches the the vision that we have for the album and then uh and then we kept uh, coming back to samuel's work like time and time again and saying yeah this this actually really fits with them he draws he draws these like really uh beautiful sometimes haunting like nature scapes which um one one of the artworks that uh, I was actually um really looking at as like okay something like that could work for us was um he did the artwork for Vervum's uh, album Illuminance and uh, it's like a tree in a clearing with like uh light shining down in like a cone from above and then the like dark um green purple forest around it. and i just really like the the like the color combination and and like the the mo- motif of the tree standing there alone and uh yeah it, it was just like uh, i was just thinking something like that would really fit us so um basically what we did after that we got in contact with samuel and uh asked if he wanted to work with us. And then uh, I sent him uh, all the lyrics because we didn't have any um, music like recorded at that time yet. We, we only had like our really shitty um, home demo recordings. And then uh, I had all the lyrics right now. So I sent all the lyrics to him. And then from uh, the lyrics, he came up with this uh, concept of like this uh, huge tree with, uh, shaped like a mushroom cloud, like looming over like these burning cities and like the roots of the tree, like ripping open the ground to uh, like almost like opening a grave for like humanity. And and it just, uh, it was like, wow, this fits perfectly. He he totally hit the, the nail on the head there. Like it fits so well. So it, we, we didn't even need to do like a round of concept. It was just the first thing he came with was like, yes, that's perfect. We love it. <laughs> yeah, it looks really good here. I'm just uh, looking at it kind of blown up and the tree almost looks like it's made of bodies like in the movie 300. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, yeah. Don't know if there was some inspiration there, but yeah, definitely. I wasn't actually sure if the background was supposed to be a cityscape or something like a graveyard, like a bunch of tombstones. Oh, it is. It's just like uh, you know, further away. But yeah, that is like burning cities. And then uh, I I came up with the idea like it should um, it should look like almost like chemical. Uh, chemicals burning so like in all the different vibrant colors so, so it makes it look almost like uh, toxic well he definitely nailed that on the head yeah you said the inspiration from this originally came from Vervum's album cover uh, were there any other album covers that kind of gave you some ideas say the the inspiration came from there but uh well we we just mentioned like when we got in contact with him like this is the stuff that you have done uh, that we like but uh like the fact it we, we didn't tell him anything that oh it, sh- it should be a tree or it should be something i just i just gave him like an outline of k like like here's the concept it's uh, it's about um it's about climate change it's about the environment it's about man's impact on nature and uh and then sent him the lyrics and uh, the the tree and everything it was like the the entire outline was his idea but um other stuff we looked at it was like um uh, his his use of color, like you mentioned, uh, like I mentioned, verbum, and uh, then I also know he did. Uh, was it uh, first fragment? I can't remember the album name, uh, but he did an album for first fragment that had a lot of greens and reds in him. Again, using a really cool contrast in colors, and then he then he did um, one we also really like was. Um, uh, he did Allegiance, uh, proponent for sentience, which is much more like muted and dark looking, like um, like post-apocalyptic kind of look. Like it, it was just like uh, we f- we felt like almost all the stuff we looked at in his portfolio like kind of fit what we had envisioned for the album. He's got a lot of really good artwork, and I'm just gonna give a shameless shout out to my previous guests from First Fragment and the Legion, and so. The album that you were mentioning from First Fag- Fragment is, and I'm going to butcher this, but Dasein, I could be wrong, but that I th- believe that was their first album. Yeah. Uh, actually, just give me a second. Yeah, first it was their first Fra- album. It was. Yeah, okay. Well, that's the, probably the one I'm thinking of then. Yeah, they both look really good. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. That's the one I'm thinking of. That's so, like, also, yeah, it, uh, like... You see on uh, on first fragments uh, artwork and uh, also on the Allegiant artwork, you see uh, the use of he has like um, branches, like dead dead plant life and stuff like that. And it was also one of the elements that I just felt like that would fit perfectly, which I feel like he utilized brilliantly in just putting a giant dying tree on the on the cover. Yeah, it seems like he did exactly what you wanted him to do and, and more. Mm, definitely. And previously you mentioned that the lyrics, the music, and the imagery all contribute to the album's overall theme, which was uh, quoted, quoted something along the lines of humanity's demise due to the destruction of our own ecosystem. And as you pointed out earlier, uh, what made you choose this subject and as the overarching theme for your album? Well, it's always about like, um, since I'm the main lyricist, it's just like whatever is in my head. And it's just a, a subject that, I feel like becomes more and more prevalent and more and more um, conscious, I guess you should say, to to everybody in these times. And 
and it was just like I we um uh, I guess I should start with mentioning that we uh, we actually we have nine tracks on the album, but we actually ended up demoing 27 different songs before we decided what songs should uh, go on the album. So we had like 27 different songs that we had demoed, and then we did like a selection process of, okay, which one of these do we think are good enough that they actually go on the album? So we did like voting rounds and like, okay, everybody likes this song, so this goes in here, and everybody uh, thinks that this one is kind of meh, so that one goes out, and so we whittled it down whittled it down i think i think we first round we ended up with like 11 songs left and then we ended up cutting two more before we finally entered the studio and um like as that uh, process of eliminating like the songs like that was just like instrumental tracks so once we whittled them down then i start figuring out okay i'm going to be writing like lyrics for this one first because i feel like some kind of inspiration here and then what I usually do is I will just start writing whatever's in my head like maybe initially it doesn't even make sense and as I'm writing it I will start figuring out okay this this is where this is taking me right now and then I can uh, start kind of like shaping it into okay this is uh, this song is about for example um like uh take the song uh, which like take the song terraform which was uh, the first song from the single uh, the, the first single from the album and it's uh, it's about uh, nuclear um, like nuclear annihilation basically so i kind of uh, i kind of like maybe had some lines written out was like okay this could fit in there and then i will write the rest from that and then uh, when i start writing lyrics for more and more songs, I, I started kind of like seeing a pattern. Okay, so this is what this is about. And only at that point does it actually become like a conscious um, uh, process of like saying, okay, this is what it's about now because all of these things seem to fit together. And then I, it kind of ends up shaping the album for uh, like um, the intro song to uh, the album Usher in the End is kind of like, like an opening statement of okay this is where we are gonna go off this is what it's uh, gonna be about and then the individual songs on the album album are like um different aspects of the subject and then at the end there's the title song where chaos drives which is kind of like okay and this is the end and then it's done that's uh that's kind of the process i went through of figuring out okay what is this album gonna be about and so with the 27 songs that you had written, you said a few of them were instrumentals, but did all of them kind of surround this this narrative? Well, yeah, but again, like mostly incidentally, like uh, because I would just like write for the demos, like whatever I felt like. And it was just, uh, it just ended up being that way, like not even on a conscious level, but I think that's just like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like I I just write whatever is in my head at the time, and that that goes for every single album we have done. So they're very much uh, all the albums are very much like time capsules of like what was I thinking of at the time, and uh, and it, it can both be both be like fun for me to look back on it, uh, but also like uh, like really cringy <laughs> for, for myself to like 
like the stuff that uh, on the first couple of albums okay i wrote this when i was like 18 or 19 and my head was in a completely different place from where i'm at now but uh yeah so it w- it was more like i figured it out along the way that okay this is what it's all about and then maybe um along the way like i would take some of the songs that got thrown away and if there was a theme i really liked from one of the songs that we weren't going to use then i would take that and reuse the theme and just write new lyrics about it for one of the songs that actually ended up on the album i believe the song um vestigial uh, actually ended up like that like it it originally had uh, different or maybe it uh, the um, the theme was originally on a different song and then that song got scrapped and I was like, but I really like these ideas that I have written down. So I'll just take them and I'll try and adapt them to this uh, other song that we have. That's a good way of being able to change everything without starting from scratch. Yeah, exactly. Like you feel like if, if uh, like I put in like uh, a lot of work and like I really like what came out of it. But then if it's not going to end up being used, well, at least I can reuse some elements of it. So it's not like completely wasted effort. Yeah, exactly. You came out with a single in 2021 called Undivided, and I noticed that that did not make it onto the album. So is that one of those 27 songs that you mentioned? Uh, It was actually, yeah. um, That was uh, part of the original writing process for what would end up becoming Where Chaos Thrives. And uh, we were just like, because it was the middle of COVID and there was like no concerts at all. And Maybe that's also why we ended up actually having 27 songs because, yeah, we didn't get out to play that much. So you just sat at home and wrote music, and uh, and yeah, we, and uh, you know, we like we didn't go to work for a long while, or so you just had a lot of free time on your hands, and you wrote a shit ton of music. And we just wanted to like um, originally it was planned that yeah, yeah, we're going to release these uh, two songs now as like a single but then later on we'll put it on the album and then the lyrics i wrote for them just did not end up fitting with the final themes of the album and it just like and we just decided okay this can just be like a standalone thing people can listen to it on its own because it well we we could have just shoved them in to the album but i would personally feel that that would be like kind of muddying up the subject a little bit like because the the lyrics for those were okay written closer to each other than some of the older albums but it's still like far enough apart that there's like a gap in what was going through my mind when i was writing this versus when i was writing that and it would almost make you feel as if like you were diluting the quality yeah exactly like then you're just um emphasizing like quantity over quality you're just putting it in so there's something there, even though it doesn't fit the form. Yeah, fair enough. And it, I mean, people enjoy singles anyway, so it really doesn't matter. We still have more music and it's still accessible. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the two songs we put out in 2021, they're still there and people can go listen to them. It's just like they're not going to be on the album, which, uh, you know, it's fine. Like Another thing that I noticed just looking at the album covers here is that you went through another uh, logo change. It doesn't seem too apparent, but it's definitely noticeable and I really enjoy it. So I guess my question here is, 
what prompted the changes and why to these styles specifically? Uh, is it kind of like a rep representation to your changing sound? Well, uh, the we have two different logos that uh, we use now. We have one that's like super spiky, which is on the on the album covers of the last two records. And then um, uh, we had an old logo before, which we had a friend make us way back in uh, 2013, I guess, when we started out. And uh, the last EP that appeared on was our uh, EP from 2016, a Memento Mori. And between that and us releasing our second album, Demonology, in 2020 it we felt like so much had changed in our musical style and and like also our uh, technical level on our instruments had uh, gotten so much better in that time so we just felt like we needed something that kind of showed that because we weren't going to change our band name or make a new band or anything but we wanted some kind of small representation of okay this is not exactly the same as it was before but we're still the same guys doing it it's just like it's going to be a little different almost like a visual representation of like maturation or growth yeah very much uh so we had like um uh we know this artist uh from Obok called uh simon uh, Simon Gardasen, he has also done like artwork for a couple of uh, Danish um, death metal bands like uh, Wayward Dawn. And he also has his own black metal band called um, Ilskær, which is like, uh, like they do uh, like black metal about uh, historical Danish events like the bombardment of Copenhagen or, and uh, stuff like that. It's, it's really cool. Like uh, if anybody out there likes like really old school raw Black metal. You should go check that out. Ilskær. How do you spell that? Uh, I L D S K A R. Yeah, it's a cool concept. And uh, then we we, yeah, it really is. I I like it. I I totally dig it. So we we got in contact with him, and we was uh, we were like, uh, hey, we would like you to design our a new logo for us, and. Um, he came up with a few concepts. We we actually went through like at least one or two revisions of the first concept he did before we came up with something we were happy with. Uh, and then he he made like um, one that was like uh, really sharp looking. But then he also, uh, in addition, he also made like an extra one where he's like, oh, this is really spiky and looks like really super death metal-ish. And we were like, oh, we also really like that. Can we have both of them? And he was like, yeah. Sure, use them. So we have like um we have like we have two different logos to pick from nowadays depending on what we feel fits the whatever like piece of merchandise or album artwork or whatever we're doing. Like we have this one um long sleeve shirt for example where it's both the logos uh alternating in pattern uh, all the way down the sleeves and it, it looks really cool. So it's just like uh it's it's a little extra um like uh choice for us when it comes to like how do we want to represent the different uh things that we're putting out there i've always been a fan of like bands changing their logos because i think it gives a little bit of maybe a sense of freshness and sometimes there's a lot, like a lot of different imagination that goes into different styles so i guess that's kind of one of the reasons why 
I was able to work with Christoph Speidel to do a few logos. Quick story about him. He's super easy to work with. I, I just gave him a quick idea, like I gave him my name. And I said, I'm looking for different styles. And he just gave me 10 or 12 different drawings and said, kind of, which which shapes do you like? Like, not the overall look of the logo, but which shapes? And then I just picked, you know, a few of them. And then within a week, he sent me 10 different logos, all professionally done, polished up and everything. It was incredible. Super easy to deal with. What did you say the name was? Christoph Speidel. He's, he's the same logo artist that did the Emperor logo, and that's one of his most famous ones. Oh, cool, cool. Okay, so I, I have seen his work, definitely, then. Oh, yeah. He's done, I think over the years, he said that he did over 10,000 logos, and he's still going hard. Cool. For those of, who have followed you for some time now, so what are the, some of the biggest differences for you between this album and Demonology, and what are some of the aspects of the music you really wanted to focus on? Well, as far as pure like songwriting elements, it's definitely been a move towards more um, technical music. I think it also uh, reflects in just like all of our own listening interests, like what are we listening to? And we've all like one common jumping off point for uh, all of us have been that we all really love the Black Dahlia murder. And I know people have pointed that out in the past that you can definitely hear that. But there's also other elements of like technical music that has been in there from the start, like um, like Children of Bodom and uh, stuff like that. But nowadays we have we've all started moving a little bit more into like um, like bands like Inferi or Sorreption, and we've all really gotten into uh, Archspire. So uh, shit, shit like that has definitely had an influence on how we uh, we write stuff, and uh, and of, and of course you're you're influenced by by this stuff that you listen to. Like uh, if you think like, oh, that's a cool idea, then uh, you maybe want to try something similar in your own songwriting. So uh, like generally, the songs on the new album, uh, there's. Some of the f uh, fastest stuff we have done, and definitely like uh, like some of the most, uh, what should you say, like speedy finger movements and uh, and big chords and shit like that. But there's also like um, a few moments where it just gets like uh, really simple and and groovy. And I think um, I think we managed to uh, with the new album find like an area of uh, like okay, this can be really fast and tons of notes at the same time but also just uh slow it down and have like a segment where you're just basically going um dum da -da -dum, da -da dum and something something that people can just headbang to when you're playing it live and some, something where you're just feeling the groove you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. definitely are you releasing this album through mighty music as well yeah, yeah, this is also on Mighty Music. We've uh, like we signed with them in 2019, like right as we were done recording Demonology, and we've been working with them uh, ever since. Like uh, they released Demonology, they released um, the single Undivided in 2021, and they're also going to be releasing this uh, new album. And they've uh, they've worked uh, like really really well with us to like push our stuff and get it much wider audience than we probably could have done on our own like really getting our music out to like tons of reviewers and like 
websites and just like sharing our stuff around with the with the reach that you have as a label of course like way more than <laughs> we could probably do on our own well especially if you're first starting off or from a place that doesn't have such a large population as well yeah that is true uh, denmark is a small country it's uh it's a little different than if you're starting out in uh in germany or something like that or the uk but uh it it also means like uh, within Denmark and uh, I, I will say that I, I think that Danish metal scene is doing really good like in these like nowadays like there are so many bands popping out and there are so many bands that have managed to make it like big over the last 10 years like um, like uh, um, Based has become super fucking huge almost like mainstream uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them it's like death metal band from Aarhus. Have you ever heard of them based? Yes. Yeah, they just came out with an EP last year, I believe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They had uh, they had Trevor Sternat from Black Dahlia Murder, like, uh, and one of I guess one of the final things he did before, uh, yeah, he said we sadly lost him. Yeah, that was a huge hit to the metal community, and I'm normally not affected by. And I don't want to say it this way, but like celebrity deaths, when when I normally get that kind of news, it's something that I'm like, okay, that sucks. But but then when I heard about Trevor, I was like, Jesus Christ! I had no idea how to react, and and just because like the music meant so much to me, yeah. and he seemed to be like one of those guys that was universally loved by basically everyone in the metal community. Yeah, and he just like, I I, t- I totally know what you mean because it's like usually when you hear about that, it's like oh, well, that sucks, and then mm-hmm. you move on. But with Trevor, it was like, uh, uh, when when we heard the news, like, uh, just wrote around, we wrote around to all our friends, and like, did you hear? And everybody was like, just, fuck. Like, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't know what to do with yourself for basically, like, that whole day, because, yeah, it's kind of weird, because he seemed like such a fun guy. And I've, I've seen them live, like, three times when they played here in Denmark and they're some of the best live shows I've ever gone to and so much energy and so much like just fun at a concert like mm-hmm. it was like I remember the first time I saw them in uh, at the Obo Metal Festival it was um, I, I guess it was somebody in the audience had started making like um, different kinds of hats out of duct tapes Uh, duct tape and they were throwing it at the stage so all the members of the band had like these different helmets and hats all made out of duct tape and were sharing them around and throwing them around the stage and it was fucking hilarious so much fun and then and then you just uh you don't really know what people are dealing with behind all of that professionalism and and shit like it's hard they're doing a really good thing i think in my opinion at least is with their comeback and moving Brian from guitars into the vocals I think they're doing a good a good job of honoring Trevor and not trying to replace him but also keeping the essence of the band together if that makes sense yeah yeah I totally get it and bringing uh, Ryan Knight back on guitars and yeah because and because like I, I don't know if Brian ever did like vocals on the albums but he's been doing vocals live together with Trevor for like forever so it just makes perfect sense that if if anybody should step up to the to the role it should be brian because he he's been there from the start yeah i agree and that couldn't have been an easy decision for them either they're like 
when something like that happens, they're obviously wrestling with whether or not they should continue, how they're going to move forward, if they should start a new band or continue with what they've, what momentum they have already created. Yeah, definitely. Like whatever decision you make at that point, it can't be an easy one. No. And some bands do it so tastelessly, but I don't think that was the case for Black Dolly Murder at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're, they, they definitely made all the right decisions in my opinion. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them again with Brian on the vocals when whenever they come to Denmark again. They're actually on a tour in I believe Canada and the States this coming or this year. And I happen to be able to see them on the twenty second, I believe, or the twenty third of May, so it'll be only a few days after your album comes out. And the day before I'm I'm seeing a Legion too, so it's just gonna be a crazy couple days. Oh, cool. Like, has Sebastian managed to, as Sebastian plays guitar in the band, he managed to catch uh, a Legion together with, um, uh, was it in, in Fury and Rivers of Nile and um, Alluvial in Copenhagen a little while ago on the F- Faces of Death tour. Like, I was so sad I missed that because that's just like f- four amazing bands like that we all really like and. uh and it was all the way in Copenhagen on a work day, so I couldn't make it. And that, <laughs> that just sucks. sucked. It always sucks when you have to miss a show that you really want to see. Yeah, like sometimes you just have to be willing to, uh, I, I, I know at least for my sake, you just have to be willing to say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm going to take this day off work because I really want to go there. Like uh, I have a, in, uh, in March, Archspire is coming to, uh, to Europe to tour and... They're only playing one show in Denmark, and it's all the way, uh, almost down by the German border. So it, it's going to take me like uh, three hours to get there, and then three hours again to get back. So I just, okay. And they're playing on a Thursday, so I'm like, I'm taking the day off work. So so I can just get down there and see Archbire. That's definitely a worthwhile drive. Yeah, definitely. And and i'm i'm guessing probably to i don't know what it's like for people who live in huge countries like america or whatever but <laughs> when when you live in a small country like denmark like driving 3 hours to get somewhere it seems like forever because you're used to everything being like relatively close together here yeah well living in a big country i mean there's a city 3 hours away from us called edmonton and it's a 3 hour drive but it feels like so much longer because the road is just straight and for me, I, I like just the twisty, turny roads, you know, going through mountains, stuff like that. But driving north to Edmonton, all you see are prairies on either side, and it is bloody boring. Yeah, yeah. It's the same as driving the highway here. Like, that that's what I'm going to be doing when I go to see Archbar. It's just take the highway all the way down to the border and then back up again. Just a straight line the whole way. Moving back into the past a little bit, have you lived in Denmark your entire life? Yes, I have. I was, um, like... All of uh, the original members of the band are from little little fishing town up uh, in the northern end of Denmark called Frederikshavn. It's like um, it's like second second nor- uh, what do you say northernmost uh, like big town in Denmark, and uh, it's like a harbor village. So like you can you can sail to Sweden from there. Like we did that like couple of times a year on like a weekend we would sail to uh Gothenburg and like uh just for like a weekend trip and shit and uh, there's always tons of Swedish people there in Flexhound during the summer so I 
grew up there for like the first uh, many years of my life, and so did all the other guys that we originally formed the band as. And um, uh, none of us live there anymore. Some of us live relatively close to there, but we are originally all from there. So that's why it also says that like or online or around uh, like metal archives and stuff like that, that yes, we, we are from Flagstown, even though none of us technically live there anymore. Okay. So you said a lot of you kind of live in, in the rural areas. Um, is it difficult? Sorry, I, I have a few questions surrounding this, actually, so I might as well just start at the beginning. So yeah. with the metal scene in Denmark, or even more locally where you guys are from, how has everything changed since COVID? And is, is the live music scene still alive and well? Oh, the music scene here is uh, booming after COVID. Like, uh, at, at least, like, I, I don't listen to a lot of, uh, like, mainstream music, but at least as far as metal goes, like, there's just new, uh, like, underground festivals popping up everywhere. And, like, in cities and towns that didn't even have, like, metal shows before, like, um, like it's just it's crazy. Like, uh, there, there was this, um, there's... Um, town on the that would be the west coast called Espia and they uh, started out like uh, it's actually the um, the guy who owns our uh, label um, called uh, Mikael he uh, started like metal festival there because it used to be Espia used to be like a town in the 90s where a lot of Danish metal bands came from like uh, Invocator and uh, Maceration and stuff like that and it's just like there hasn't been anything there for years. And then after COVID, like people are just like, well, let's bring the metal back. And it's happening like so many other places. And it's, it's fucking great to see. Like there are so many options right now in Denmark if you want to go see metal music. Mm -hmm. I'm happy to hear that. It seems like there were a lot of venues that just died out and some places it, it hasn't come back. Yeah, it it also happened here for like some places. I know like there were venues in bigger cities that uh, like of course got hit by financial troubles and like some of them either closed or changed locales and stuff but it seems like uh, on the other side of the COVID and everything like we have gotten more now than we had before at least it feels like that like right now with all the of course it's also because everybody all the bands have been sitting like during lockdown and been like anxious to get out again and then when it opens up everybody wants to come out at the same time so there's just so much stuff that you can go and see. from my end it sounded like you were getting lower oh there we go oh i guess uh maybe i just moved a little too far away sorry about that <laughs> uh, no worries it's all good i just wanted to make sure it wasn't cutting out again where i was going with the whole population thing is um growing up in a place which now has approximately twenty-two thousand people was it difficult to find other people that were interested in metal or that were familiar with the instrument, like guitar and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I can uh, I can speak for myself on that. Saying like, um, once I was like uh, in the beginning of school age, my uh, my family we moved away to like the tiny little village, like in the middle of uh, nowhere, and there was like it was before I discovered like really what metal was and stuff, but. Uh, I believe I was um, 11 or 12 when I started getting like into metal and in the beginning it was like stuff like Slipknot and Mushroom Head and 
Marilyn Manson and stuff like that that got me interested with, you know, the masks and the, the makeup and all the scary shit. I, I thought that was cool when I was a kid. And uh, there was, like, nobody there who had anything except, like, um, you know, like, passing interests. It's like, what, what's that you're listening to? Oh, that's weird. Uh, I don't like that. Uh, that, w- that was basically my life all the way up until, like, the end of my teenage years once I started, like... Um, I guess when I started uh, going to gymnasium uh, in Flexhound, I started meeting new people and I figured out, oh, there are actually other people who also like this weird shit that I, I like. And then I started finding other people who also like to play music and I decided, okay, I want to I wanna have a band. And that also took a long while to just, okay, like a lot of people here can play music, but not that many people actually want to play metal. And especially not extreme metal like I wanted to. But uh, the rest of the guys from the band, they, um, like uh, our drummer Yari and uh, other guitar player Sebastian, they both lived in uh, Flagsound like a lot longer than I did. And uh, they went to music school there and that's how they met each other. So they knew from the beginning, like, of, of course, they practiced many different genres of music and shit, but they knew what kind of music they liked and what they wanted to play. And then later I got to know them and we got to be in the band together. And yeah, you just, uh, like, I feel lucky that I got to meet uh, these guys and we got to start making music together. And yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of what we, we make together. And I'm, I'm really happy that uh, I get to do this together with the other guys. You met these other guys and you wanted to, be part of a band did you already start learning guitar before that uh yeah i did i started relatively late compared to the other guys because they all got like sent to music lessons when they were kids and sebastian started learning classical guitar really young and same with yari learning drums when he was also pretty young i didn't start uh picking up the guitar until i was 16 like in uh, ninth grade and that was after bugging my uh, my parents for like a full year, I believe it was, to actually just let me buy a guitar because my parents said that uh, that that was like a big investment and it was like a guitar is really expensive and uh, and they thought it was just going to be like something I wanted to try out and then I would get bored of it in a month or two and throw it away and it would have been a waste of money. So I had to spend a long time convincing them that it was actually something I really wanted to do. But then once uh, I got my guitar at uh, the age of 16 and I started practicing just like um, like I didn't uh, I didn't take lessons or anything. I just sat down with uh, like YouTube videos and started learning like Metallica riffs or Black Sabbath riffs and stuff like that. And and then I think my parents could tell pretty quick that, okay, I was actually passionate about this and I wanted to do this. So they got really supportive after uh, after that when they actually saw that, okay he really wants to do this let's uh let him do this did they ever have any apprehensions with the style of music that you wanted to pursue uh well i will not say that they ever got to like the music that um uh that i'm doing or that uh, a lot of the music that i like 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 my mom would say like um like (laughs) Like, um, like, oh, that that's a really nice melody, but like, uh, I really don't enjoy the vocals or stuff like that. And but they were always really supportive. And when we wa- went out to play shows and stuff, uh, way back in the beginning, I could borrow my my dad's car and 
and stuff like that. And they were all always super helpful, even though they might not enjoy the particular music that uh, I was doing together with my friends. But I think they were just proud that I've found something that I really wanted to do and something I was passionate about. And they took a positive route with it. Like, even though they didn't necessarily agree with it or enjoy it, they still encouraged you to pursue your passions and your interests. Yeah, exactly. And I can, I, I'm so totally happy about that. Like, there, you could have had, like, I, I've, I've heard of, like, other kids who, like, want to get into metal and their parents are just like, absolutely not, or something like that. Oh, yeah, the first time I brought home a Marilyn Manson CD, my mom freaked out. She had... She was oh, so yeah. scared that I would become a Satanist or something like that. But over time, it's kind of interesting because I would start feeding her songs by different artists. And she ended up liking some of the songs that I would send her from Slipknot and Marilyn Manson. And now she's just, she's not a metalhead by any means, but there's the odd song that she does enjoy. And she just, she doesn't shit on the music anymore. Well, that's nice. You can kind of, you can kind of like convert your parents. I think, uh... I'm not sure if it it's the same way with what Yari did, but I know one of the bands that he really got into when he uh, started playing drums was uh, Disturbed. Mm -hmm. And I know that nowadays his parents are big Disturbed fans. So I don't know if that was like them influencing him or vice versa, but uh, yeah. Well, and this was also at a time when I believe the songs were downloaded so I could just name the file whatever I wanted and it wouldn't show who the artist was. So that was my way of like kind of tricking her into listening. Oh, uh, sneaking it in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so over the years then, I ended up bringing my mom to both a Marilyn Manson and a Slipknot concert and I had her singing more songs than I did, which was incredible. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's it was great. fun to see. Good job, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I never managed. I never managed to get my parents that far, but uh, yeah, like that's that's definitely impressive. <laughs> Trust me when I say she still hates most of the music I listen to because it's just too extreme. But the odd time I'll find a song that she's like, "Yeah, this isn't bad," and I can listen to it. Earlier, I mentioned the pandemic, just about um, the local metal scene and stuff like that. But you guys also released Demonology, if I remember correctly, shortly after it started shit hitting the fans. So how did that impact the release of Demonology? Uh, yeah, it was basically a giant fucking shit show because uh, Denmark closed down in February, like late February, I believe it was, of 2020, or I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about the dates, don't hold me up on that, but it, it was like, I remember we had like a whole range of uh, shows lined up, we were going to play at like a couple of small festivals and... Um, and we were going to play like support shows for a couple of big Danish bands. And we had everything lined up. We were going to do like uh, two full weekends in a row. Like uh, with, with Thursday, it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we had like trailer booked. We had like hotel rooms booked for the whole tour. And then like the day before or two days before, like uh, our prime minister comes on TV and says, yeah, the country is closing down. And, and we were just like, fuck. And like we couldn't get anything refunded like all the hotel all the money we spent on hotel rooms and uh shit like that it was all just lost like we lost all that money so and um and all those shows like not none of it was uh rebooked after country finally opened up again or anything so that was all just like preparations just like wasted effort it was it it just fucking sucked like yeah that's really shitty to hear and you didn't get reimbursed for anything uh, no, nothing, because, uh, like, 
we we did we didn't get paid in advance and uh but we had to book our hotel rooms and uh r- rent the trailer and everything in advance which we had already paid for then and then we just um yeah like we couldn't get any of the money back it was really shitty that's a pretty shitty move from a lot of those people like in my opinion if something like that happened i would just i would have to refund the money i wouldn't feel good otherwise like i would yeah but it was it was not like uh it was not any of the promoters fault like they got fucked over just as badly as we were they had to pay all the tickets back and it was not like they had uh, booked hotel rooms for us it was more like uh we would get promised that okay you will get paid this after the show and that's what it's like when you are a small time band it's like you you can you can't get advanced payments and you don't get paid that much to begin with as the bigger bands do but it's like okay you will get paid this after the show and then we have to like put up our own money to like get the hotel rooms and stuff and then when you can't get paid the money afterwards and then you don't uh you you haven't bought like insurance or whatever from the hotel uh company that you rented the rooms from then you can't get any of that money back and it was just like uh uh something like we felt that we had everything planned out re- really well but it just like yeah it uh we got fucked pretty bad but uh yeah that was uh that was like three years ago now almost and uh yeah we're over it things things have gotten uh relatively like i would say pretty much back to normal here and a lot of the shows we did play, not any of those shows, sadly, but a lot of the other shows we were supposed to play that got cancelled, luckily got rebooked like once um, things started opening up again. And we actually ended up doing like, um, we did one live stream uh, festival uh, that uh, was kind of like arranged by some of the guys from our label and uh, some other bands. And that was like definitely something new. Like I believe we got to play in front of I can't even remember. It was like uh, it was at least over ten thousand people were streaming the festival. So that's like the biggest amount of exposure we ever got, and that's only thanks to COVID. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, it's not all bad then. Yeah, we we have this uh, we have this saying in Denmark. It's uh, I'm not sure if it's an international saying or anything, but it's like there's uh, never something so bad that it's not at least good for something. <laughs> I don't think I've heard. A similar saying over here, but I definitely understand it. That's that's pretty cool. It's like kind of seeing the silver lining in every situation. Yeah, exactly. I think that might be a very Danish thing to see things like that. Like, okay, this really fucking sucks, but at least this one little good thing came out of it. Well, part of the problem with everybody nowadays is they only focus on the negative, and I can even see myself doing that sometimes in certain aspects of my life. But once you change that attitude, it's so easy to change the trajectory of what's actually taking place. And if you let that negativity overcome you, it's just, you're going to have a shit time all around. I believe my microphone just died there. I'm back. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely. Like you, you can't just focus on the negative all the times. So you're going to be fucking miserable. Like it's also like, like I'm doing all this stuff around the band, like, social media and like shirt designs and whatever and it's not really the stuff i want to do i just want to like write music and write lyrics and go and play music but it's like you have to take you have to take the fun stuff with the boring stuff and yeah in order to make it all work together well that's all of life like you can think about your day-to-day activities and 
there's a lot of shit you don't want to do every day and say cleaning the house or mowing the lawn. Yeah, but you have like to do that. it. It's, but you have to do it. It's a, it's a balance. Yeah, so why otherwise not you're going to smell like shit. <laughs> exactly. Just enjoy it, get through it. And then you can do all the stuff you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Like you're going to do some shitty thing, shitty things once in a while to appreciate all the fun stuff you get to do also. That's just it. And to me, like suffering kind of brings out the positive in a lot of stuff. Because if you go through kind of a lot of adversity or you deal with a lot of challenges head on, it's coming out the other side that feels so much better. And that completely outweighs the negative. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's going to be the same with all of this, like having to put in so much work to prepare for the release of an album, like writing all the press releases and uh, doing all the graphics work and th- thank god we're on a record label so we don't have to do all that shit ourselves anymore but yeah so all that work is going to pay off once the album comes out and then we're finally able to come out and hopefully play a lot of shows and and that's what's going to make it feel all worth it speaking of putting everything together in preparation for a release is there anything that you just truly do not like doing like you mentioned earlier t-shirts and some of the logistics when it comes to shows but is there anything within the writing process or creation process that's just not your favorite? In creating music, um, that's a good question. Is there anything? Um, yeah, there is. There is one aspect of like, like I enjoy all the creativity, like all the um, writing music and uh, coming up with ideas and writing lyrics, and that's all super fun. And I like uh, it. Uh, I'm the one uh, who records all our demos because I just happen to have the gear. And, uh, um, but, uh, the one aspect that is always gets like mind numbingly boring to me is, uh, recording, uh, rhythm guitars because it's just like doing the same thing over and over and over again. And you've got to be so fucking precise and you've got to be so accurate when, because, you know, it's like extreme metal. You, you, you can't just, uh, like noodle your way through it and say like, ah, oh, that's probably going to be fine. No, you have to be like so fucking precise all the fucking time and you have to do it like again and again until you get it everything like super fucking tight and that's just that can be a chore sometime (laughs) well it almost becomes something that's not enjoyable if you're doing it over and over and over again right yeah exactly but it's just like uh it's a the the sacrifices you make to uh make the music sound as good as you possibly can and luckily it's just that aspect of like like rhythm guitars can get that way sometimes not not always but occasionally if there's like a part that's like really fucking tricky or something you end up doing it over and over again but but like recording all the other stuff like like drums and bass and vocals and guitar solos and all that stuff usually always goes super smooth and we're always like um when we're in the studio we're always everybody there in the room together listening to everything that's being recorded so everybody has their ear on like like is everything ending up sounding the way we want it to like everybody's always paying attention so that's also like uh like tough if you have one of those days where uh, where you're not recording anything so you're just sitting there on the couch for eight hours just listening the whole time like that that's pretty uh it, it doesn't sound like it but it's actually uh you'll be pretty fucking tired at the end of that day i'll tell you well it takes a special type of attention not only to sit there for that long but you're trying to pick out aspects of your music that you think wouldn't work so you're you're listening listening intently yeah exactly it's like paying a lot of attention for a long time and listening to a lot of the same things again and again. It's just like, 
but at the end we feel like that that's what it takes for us to make like the best like the best product that we can possibly make so it's it was well worth it in the end i would say well if you didn't do that kind of stuff you run the risk of putting out something that you didn't even feel is worth putting out exactly and then you're just going to be kicking yourself afterwards like why didn't we take the extra time or whatever and that and that's maybe a bit of also like that has been a learning process because definitely if i listen back to uh i think a lot of musicians have have it that way like if you listen back to your really old stuff you'll you'll cringe at it because you you listen to it and it's like oh i could have done that so much better today and oh that's oh i that note was not the right note for that part or whatever like uh, it's just like but it's also like it's part of what is also fun about looking back because yeah i was in a totally different place like i was a different person when when i made this music and uh and i have learned from that and that's why i feel like the music i make nowadays is like way better like i'm sure every musician will say that but like yeah the new stuff that's coming out is the best stuff we've ever done it's like classical line but yeah i do i do feel like that has been the process with chronicle so far it's just we i i personally feel that we just keep getting better with every release we do with music it's kind of like a timestamp of where you were in your life and as a musician i would assume and or i can see that you knew exactly what was going on in your life how you were feeling kind of what struggles you were going through but then also to listen to your newer music when compared to your older stuff is you can see how you've progressed. It's almost like weightlifting in a way. You start at the beginning, you work on form, you work on different exercises and stuff. You don't necessarily see the day to day, but at the end you can look back and be like, holy shit, I've done all these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I get that. I've also, I've heard the comparison of like playing um, extreme metal is like uh, kind of like uh being like an athlete and it's like extreme sports or something it was because you keep improving on your technique you keep improving on your playing and and everything and and it's it's kind of like in the same way like you keep pushing yourself to uh to get better at something faster or you can play harder or whatever like it, it's very much uh kind of a similar mentality i I've, I've heard that comparison before and i feel like i i at least somewhat agree with it even though of course, playing music is not a sport. It's not like a competition with anyone. You do this for yourself. Mostly, I, I would hope, like, if you don't do the music that you're doing because it's something you want to get out, something that you enjoy creating, then I don't really see why you're doing it at all. Yeah, exactly. Especially as a band, I don't think you have the luxury of just putting out something mediocre. Like, you have to be passionate and put forward something that you would listen to yourself exactly it's like if if you are if you have written the songs and you have everything in front of you and you don't f feel that feeling of like yeah this is awesome i like this this is something i would like this is an album i would listen to like if i didn't make it myself then you um then if if you don't get that feeling then uh well, if, I think if I ever get to having that feeling about my own music, then it's probably time to reevaluate and maybe start doing something else. But I hope I will never get to that point that I can just keep doing this for like as long as humanly possible. Well, as long as you keep enjoying and you keep coming up with new ideas, then I don't think that should be an issue. But yeah, music exactly. seems to be one of those professions or one of those, whether it's a hobby or a profession, it just seems one of those things that you can't really slack on. Like, for a lot of jobs, you don't have to be switched on the entire time. But with music, it's like, if you're not switched on, your listeners and your audience can hear that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like if you're just like trying to get by, you know, without yeah, actually. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's what it is. If you're just trying to get through it without actually making something that you are passionate about and that you care about and you care about the results, then you can definitely hear that at the end and people will be able to hear that, okay, they they didn't really put in the effort here. Mm -hmm. Or if like, for example, you guys came up with the 27 songs for your new album and if you just decided to throw a bunch of them together without some sort of something tying it together, people would be like, I, I don't really... They, they might not yeah, have the same it, reception. Exactly, exactly. Or if we just took... Uh, if we just said like, uh, yeah, we would release all of these songs and uh, just made like three or four albums or whatever and just put in every single of the songs, I bet some of those songs probably, um, like that's the point of the selection process that, yeah, some of the songs that we write, they're, they're probably just like meh or fine or whatever and they probably shouldn't be released, but that's why you pick out the best ones you have and you find like, the connective tissue between them and put them all together and that's like the um, that's like the art of the album you know like you gotta you gotta make it fit together you gotta make it feel like a whole thing like um i like to i, I like to use the comparison of like you should look at an album as like like you would look at like a, a symphony or an or an opera almost like if you listen to it from beginning to end it should make sense it should fit together like that that is an album to me mm -hmm. i agree and it's interesting, like with, you talked about like just releasing all the songs, like kind of as three albums and the first artist that came to mind, Tech 9 he has a long history of releasing multiple albums in the same year or really close together. And in 2020, when the pandemic hit, he dropped three albums and then in 2021, he dropped two more. And I'm just like, how do you come up with that much stuff? And it's probably not all quality. Well, it's also like like you ca you can't just keep churning out music like like we could do that. We could just release every single song that we write, but uh, we would probably end up releasing a lot of mediocre shit. So, but but some people are like super prolific and just write good shit like all the time. Like um, uh, one that comes to mind for me is like I don't listen a lot to rap music. I have to admit, but like for example, Devin Townsend, like he has put out so many freaking albums like over these last like what how long has he been going 25 30 years at this point i'm not sure and and it's just like 90 percent of it is like quality stuff like he is just e extremely prolific but he has a really high level of quality to everything he does and that is super impressive i think yeah i think he also he has a unique level of like attention that he pays to all of his music as well I don't know if that yeah, makes exactly. sense. I guess it's coming out wrong, but no, no, I get it. It's like like if you pay attention and you actually care about every single song and every single album that you're putting out, even though you're putting out a lot of shit, if you have the ability to put like so much effort or attention into your work, you can probably put out that many albums and still expect a lot of it to be really freaking good. It's just, uh, <laughs> I guess, it's a matter of how 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 much are you able to dedicate yourself to what you do? And of course, with um, with us all working like uh, like jobs, uh, everyday jobs and shit like that, we don't have as much time to dedicate to music as we would if this was just our full-time thing. But we we do as much as we can and and we're proud of what we release when we are able to release new music. Well, and fans are clamoring, clamoring for it too. I remember when uh, you mentioned that you were working on 
new music and then wanted to do this recording a little bit later, I was stoked. I didn't even know what was coming, but I was excited. And that's nice to hear. It's like, it's always when, uh, when you're sitting in, in the vacuum of like making the music yourself, it's like, we, we read reviews, of course, and we like to hear what people have to say. But like when, when we're creating the music, it's not so much about as what will people think of this? It's all about like, what would we like to do? And then it's becomes exciting later when you then put it out to people and uh, then you get to hear okay so what do people actually think of this that we did like like it's it's not written with the intention to please but it's of course it's always nice to hear okay people actually like this shit that we do yeah do you guys often pay attention to feedback once you release something yeah yeah of course like like uh, i said like it's not like um i'm not sh sure that it influence influences us much but we we read like the reviews when uh, when we see them and uh, it's, it's always fun to hear like something that you put so much time and effort in like what do people think of it do they dig it or or do they just like not care for it or uh or do they just actively hate it like i've, I've gotten to read a few of those like really negative reviews and it's just like it's it's just fun to me because it's it's coming at the whole thing from completely different perspective than of course like we have because we we like what we do and we put out the music that we like and then somebody else can just have a completely different experience uh listening to it and i, I just think that's super interesting it's like people are different and then that's fun some people just shit on others because they don't like it but if they have good points it's like okay that makes sense and i'll take it into consideration yeah, I, I guess I have seen, uh, I've probably seen fewer examples of that, of actually like criti uh, critique, uh, like um, really good critique. Uh, I guess what I was mostly just referring to was just people shitting on the music because they didn't uh, they didn't like it or they, it was different from what they enjoy or whatever. But yeah, yeah, that is, it's actually, uh, it is also fun to hear like people who, who are like, yeah, I really like this, but these and these things and... And that's maybe something that we do pick up on. Like there, there can be elements. I, I remember there have been elements in like reviews where people have pointed out, oh, this little thing in this part of this intro could have uh, could probably have been better if this and this. And then if uh, if it fits together with something, maybe we have actually been thinking like maybe we put it out and then we realize, oh, we could have done this. And then if somebody actually points it out, then we're just confirmed in, oh, yes, we were right thinking this. We'll make sure to do this differently next time. So, yeah, in, in that way, I guess, uh, reading the reviews actually can influence us in some way. If they're helpful, helpful, sorry, it's all worthwhile because ultimately you want your music to be better. So if somebody points out something that's legitimately wrong, you're like, hey, that's an easy fix and why not? It'll benefit yeah, everybody, exactly. listeners and you guys. Exactly. And th that kind of stuff is always appreciated. And since you guys are releasing the album here on May 19th, if people are looking for uh, to find your music, where is the best pl place for them to find it for you? Uh, well, hopefully the music should be out everywhere. That's like uh, the labels area of expertise. But you can find us on Spotify and Deezer, Tidal, uh, Apple Music, iTunes. It should be up everywhere. YouTube, all the songs are on YouTube if you just want to listen to it for free. And uh, yeah, and if you do, if you want to follow the band, we are on um, we are on Facebook and we are on Instagram at. Uh, let me just double check that I'm not saying anything wrong here. On Facebook, you can find us on 
Chronicle official band, and on Instagram it is Chronicle DK. If you wanna go see what we're up to. Oh, your mic just cut out again. Cheap ass shit. <laughs> where where did I get to before it cut out? <laughs> Basically the end. So you got through All right. pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, my last question for you today, Lars, is uh, currently who are some of your favorite bands or some of the bands on heavy rotation? Well, uh, within the last couple of like I've been into Black Dahlia Murder for like years and years, but uh, within the last couple of years, I've gotten into a lot of stuff that uh, is kind of like jumping off from that. So I I really like uh, Inferi nowadays, mm -hmm. and they um, they released uh, the uh, their album Vile Genesis in uh, what was it. 21 uh, or yeah. yeah 21 and i i just i'm still listening to that album like like almost on a monthly basis like uh just from start to finish i think it's fucking amazing like they are they are so great and i'm like i'm so stoked for whatever they're going to do next oh and they put on such a good show too oh yeah yeah i'm so sad i i missed them in copenhagen hopefully i will get another chance at uh, some point uh other than that um Allegiance uh, album Damnum from last year was also like amazing. I love that. Mm -hmm. Like it was. It. I'm. I'm so sad that they lost. Uh, like uh, that Riley is not their vocalist anymore because I feel like he just brought so much to that band that I just adored. And but but it's going to be really interesting to see. Okay, what are they going to do now that uh, he's not in the band anymore? So I'm excited to see what happens with them. And then um, uh, one more I would like to mention. Uh, from last year also is uh, Soreption from Sweden. Um, are you familiar with them? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, that, w that was definitely in, uh, in my top list. Uh, Your from uh, last year, that was like groovy, technical death metal. Like, I really dig that, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I would say it's probably their, my, my favorite album from them. So, yeah. Those are like uh, those are like some of the stuff from last year and year before that I, that I'm still listening to like a lot. Last year was great for Tech Death. Yeah, it was. It was. This is another little quick tangent, but I, w I had the pleasure of seeing Inferi with uh, Arch Spire, Volvodinia, and Entheos, and that was easily one of the best shows I I saw last year. Oh yeah, Entheos is also going to be uh, supporting Arch Spire when when I'll be seeing them uh, in March. Oh, that'll be awesome. They put on a wicked show. Have you seen them before? Uh, I actually had the opportunity to see them at the Alba Metal Festival in 2015 or 2016, I believe, and I just missed them. Like, we had talked about we were going to see them, and then we uh, we just missed them somehow. So I'm finally going to be getting my chance here very soon. Lars, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you again for joining me, and uh, I can't wait to hear to see when the new album comes out. I'd like to, I can't wait to see the reception. And yeah, same here. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.